You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name's Sean Kelly. I will be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to, to Frank and Jerry. Wonderful coming after a couple of professionals like them. It's uh, <laughs> brilliant to watch the banter between them off air. Um, you have to be here at times. I tell you, it's great. Um, in the studio with me today is the A-League stats man, Peter Skeeler. Good morning, Pete. How are you? Oh, fantastic. And how are you, Sean? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's great. Masks are off. Yep, yep. We're all frolicking in the sunshine. and My glasses aren't fogging up. It's great. Yeah, I don't miss that at all. Yeah, it'd be (laughs) interesting. Although tomorrow, for two hours, I'm going to have to put it back on. Yeah. We'll have to go to the glory game. It's it's going to be tough to drink the beer through the mask. I think the shed will find a way. (laughs) (laughs) I was just wondering about them singing. And, of course, it's Mother's Day tomorrow, so for those of you who are under the thumb and not going... uh, Do your mum a favour, take her to the game. Come on, people, get with the programme. Um, on the show today, we have Terry McFlynn, who is the Academy Director for Perth Glory. Um, we'll be talking to him about the, the youth setup and how that's all travelling. Um, then we're going to talk to Greg Farrell from West Coast Futsal. I've got another name now, which he hasn't given me the... He can reveal it to us live. No, he did reveal it before. He said he's going to... We, we actually broke the story and... I've got a memory like I'm looking at what does it say again? I can't remember. <laughs> Too much aspartame in my coffee, I think. Um, <laughs> Cam Lord from Fremantle City, um, third last season, joint top today, playing Mandra. Yep. Be a big game out there today at uh, Fremantle. But uh, Cam's a very good young coach, and we'll be talking to him about uh, his hopes and dreams for Frio. And then we'll finish off with Steve Nelkoski, who is with the Green Machine and Kingsway Olympic. Yep. Um, lots going on out there. A couple of changes of coach over the, the season. Um, started off well. One of the league favourites. Won the league last year. 
Yeah. Um, had a poor start, and then they're playing. Hasn't been a great start so far for them. Playing another team that hasn't had a great start in Forestfield today, so that would be a real interesting game. Yeah, because um, Normo was a former coach over at uh, Kingsway, so uh, what's going on there? So we'll talk to Steve, and also off the field, one of the most uh, active clubs in off-field activity. I think they've got a a uh, swap meet and things go on in the morning, and just great to to see what they do out there for other people, but would have been very much affected by COVID. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what uh, they're doing and how COVID's affected them again. So that's uh, the show. In news, the glory went down during the week to Melbourne City. Yes, yes. Oh, they looked all right in the first half. The second half, it looked like Melbourne City were doing a bit of a training drill. But um, Yeah. And... and you know, honestly, I, I don't understand with the glory. We've got Fornaroli, we've got Castro, we've got Economides, we've got Kilkenny. There's no way we should be third from bottom on the table no. with that lineup with with those uh, players. No, absolutely not. And I think there's there's been a, a fair bit of um, dissent on the interwebs about what's going on at Glory, and lots of people calling different things as they always do. Yep. Um, I think you know, young side. And as much as people go, oh, yeah, no, but we had a full season, all that sort of stuff, probably COVID's affected um, Glory more than anyone else. Even New Zealand, who made the decision to put a, a team in, in, Wollongong, yeah. in Wollongong in a hub, yep. were only an hour or so away from most of their games. Yep. Um, the Glory have had fixtures changed at the last minute. We've had fixtures we couldn't change. They had to play behind closed doors. Yep. Um, games that were supposed to be played on a, a Friday night on a Saturday afternoon. Um, that was a, that was a great Saturday afternoon. Oh well, no, mate. Perfect. I had plans for that Saturday, and <laughs> you know it was either Friday, Friday or Saturday night for me, and playing at one o'clock yep. on on a day when you had state league games on. Yeah, um, not really the best, but I understand why because there's obviously other things than the state league, such as TV and um, yeah, coverage is is a big thing. So we had to give way to that, but it kind kind of. Been a, a a poor season in that regards as well. It has, it has. I think that can go some way to explaining the glories um, ladder position. But like I say, I still feel we should be higher than we are with the team we've got. Hmm. Um, and who knows? Maybe you maybe tell me. You tell me. You tell me a season where you haven't felt that way. <laughs> The, the season we won the league, that was the one time I didn't feel like we should have finished higher, although we could have done better in the grand final, I yeah. think, then. But quite interesting, though, because um, the following year was the one where we lost everyone because of the, the salary cap scandal, and then you've got McLaren, who said I wasn't good enough for glory. Exactly, and he was the one forced his way, yeah. forced his way out. He was the one player we wanted to keep. Yep. He was 21, 22. He was young at the time. He, he had Schmelz and Keogh, who... Um, were gun strikers at the time. Yep. He, he was always going to play third string to them. Exactly. The plan was next season he was going to be the gun, but yep. no. Yeah, no, he's gone. And Forced his transfer and off he went. Yeah, and, and you know, taking my glory hat off for a second, you know, congratulations to him. He was mm. the, the fastest player to hit uh, 100 goals in the yep. A-League. Uh, I can I can vouch for that stat. I've also seen it said as fastest in any, like including the NSL as yeah. well. 
Um, I don't doubt that. I just don't mm. have that stat to verify. Uh, obviously, Barisha's the only other one in the A-League that's hit 100, and he took about if 12 If only we had more. someone who had the finger in A-League stats that could do that for us, <laughs> that'd be wonderful. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. <laughs> no, I think, look, you're right, and congratulations, Blake. He's, he's obviously managed his career quite well, yep. uh, looks after himself, which is what any player should do. Um, I think he could have done it with us as well. But, you know, obviously he's... I think like most players, you've got to be on that side of the, the country to, to be noticed and to be taken seriously. So he's, he's done that and, and good luck to him on that one. Um, I think we're, we're fortunate to be where we are and you're right, we've had a number of players go off the boil. One player who's not off the boil, WA born and bred player, Sam Kerr. Yes. Player of the month in the UK. Yes. Um, banging goals in, the fun, in for fun. She's now in the Champions League final. Chelsea look like they're going to wrap up the league. Um, I think they're in the cup. So yeah, there's so I think the, the Champions League final is Sunday next week. I did yeah. have the date noted down somewhere. So uh, 16th of May. Hmm. And I have a feeling I saw something that SBS would be broadcasting it. I hope so. I really right, hope yeah. so. But she's done well. And again, someone who's managed her career very well and the move to England was exactly what she needed to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, people are realising what we've all known for a long time. She's the best player out there. Yeah, exactly. So, and she only seems to be getting better and better. So, yeah. Um, and Hopefully then we can bring that form to the Olympics. That'd be lovely, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting, the Olympics. Um, lots of talk around that and with the Japanese and the COVID situation there. So watch that space. Yes, yes. And we talked earlier on about the FA, FFA Cup. There's yeah. been some reformatting of the... Yes, it's been uh, rejigged slightly. So um, first of all, obviously, since the, there was no cup last season... Um, and in that time, we've added two new teams to the A-Leagues. So they're keeping the same format in as much as there's still only 10 A-League teams get into the Cup. Uh, so what's going to happen is the teams that finish in the bottom four of the A-League actually have to play off for two berths in the FFA Cup. So there's yeah. a bit of a sort of a tie in there between the league position one season and the, the Cup the following season. And probably more exciting for the, uh, especially the State League sides, is whatever team wins the FFA Cup now gets a berth in the Asian Champions League qualifying tournament. Mm. So there's a chance, as I said to you before, there's a chance at Ashfield. We could get to see Ashfield play against the likes of, you know, Shanghai, Shenhua. And Absolutely. Yeah. We could go to the Sahara and throw snowballs at each other. <laughs> 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 no, I think it's, it's great. It's good that a state league club could get that far um, if they were good enough. And I think, you know, again, it's the, it's the magic of the cup. The FFA Cup in, in England has obviously been doing it for hundreds of years and it's, you know, a well-established comp. And I think the FFA have, or the FA have done a wonderful job in marketing this one and, and you know, trying to, to put the minnows up. The, the weighted draws where it guaranteed a home game against a, an A-League side has yep. been phenomenal. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, we all as kids growing up want to play the best we can and you know for a kid growing up playing for Perth SC or Guelup or Coburn yeah. to be able to match the, up against Sydney that's right yeah I, I remember many years ago when the in the first um what was it the FIFA Club World Cup yep. that I had and and I, I said to someone at the time you know it's one thing if you're playing for South Melbourne was the Australian representative it's one thing you know you play for South Melbourne and you you know you're in the NSL and something but Sort of, they were playing against Manchester United there, and sort of, it, it's a whole other level to suddenly step out on the pitch and you're against the likes of David Beckham and Co. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and you definitely turn around and you see, up, yeah. you know, Wayne Rooney stood there or something. Yeah, be <laughs> phenomenal, wouldn't it? Yeah. All righty, um, we're going to go a break. We'll be back after this with Terry McFlynn. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Please don't fence me in West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Oh, it seems to have a bit of trouble getting hold of Terry. We'll be uh, trying that as we look at the NPL results from last week and the, the fixtures for this week. Well, uh, last week, Armadale hosted Perth and they had a 3-4 uh, result. That was a win to Perth, so a lot of goals scored over at that one. Uh, and a controversial sending off. And a controversial sending off. You can uh, find that one on Facebook and I think we're not going to comment on it too much, perhaps. But uh, <laughs> uh, Gwellup Croatia and Florida Athena finished one all. Florida Athena is still sitting top of the table and the only undefeated team at the moment. Uh, Coburn City went down 1-0 at home to Bayswater City. ECU Joondalup had a 2-0 win over Perth Glory. And Sorrento defeated Balcata 1-0. And last of all, Inglewood United 4-1 at home winners over Rockingham City. Coming up uh, this afternoon, Gwellup Croatia are hosting Inglewood United. Uh, we got the Southern Derby between Coburn City and Armidale. Perth are at home against Rockingham City. Florida Athena are hosting Sorrento, which is first against third on the table. So that should be a uh, bit of a belter of a match. Uh, Bayswater City at home to ECU Joondalup and Balcata travelling to, well, Balcata away against Perth Glory. And funny you should mention that because joining us on <laughs> the line now is Terry McFlynn of Perth Glory. Terry, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, fellas. How are you? Good. Um, the academy that uh, you've got set up there is, is one of the best in, in the country and, and even within Southeast Asia, a very well-regarded academy. How has uh, COVID affected you, particularly you know last year and, and in the beginning of this year? Yeah, look, obviously last season, um, as everyone was affected uh, pretty badly by, by COVID with football getting shut down. And um, we put together a home program for all the uh, academy players from under 13 through to the MPL first grade players. Um, so they continued on with their training in isolation. Um, we had regular Zoom uh, calls with the parents and the, and the kids in the junior academy. We had 
Zoom session, gym session for the Senior Academy boys. So, um, yeah, everyone kept uh, kept connected, kept together. Um, and then thankfully we came out the other side and were able to, to finish off the MPL season last season. Yeah, I mean, the, we've been very, very lucky uh, in this country that we've, we've not had the experience that the rest of the world has um, and very much insulated from the effects. But it's, it's quite, even in the last couple of weeks has shown us, quite interrupting still and, and planning for games, planning for training schedules, um, you know, keeping coaches on and players on is, is going to be tricky in that environment. Yeah, look, it is, and I think that's... that's uh, you know, testament to the football community that we are so flexible and so um, resilient uh, in these times. And I think, particularly as you said, uh, at the A League level, when we're, we're planning games to go interstate or or even to New Zealand, um, and a case pops up here or there, we've got to be ready to adjust the plans and, and move accordingly. Uh, for example, we were we were scheduled to fly to um, Brisbane um, two weeks ago for the game on Anzac Day, and then unfortunately there was a the case that broke out in, in Perth and we went into lockdown for three days so we had mm. to reschedule our game and, um, but uh, as with any schedule once you start to reschedule things it starts to tighten up the, the game schedule so um, we now have uh, we had 27 games in 21 days um, at HBF uh, so that's taking its toll on the players but um, again it's not yeah. an excuse for us No no but I mean uh, from a playing perspective and no one knows this any better than you, you, you you're timing your training to be at your peak for the game and then all of a sudden it's changed from being Friday to Saturday. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're in that preparation approach and getting yourself ready for a game, it's not just about the physicality, it's about the mentality to to then go, oh, we're going to play it tomorrow afternoon instead is is not an easy decision and not easy to adjust to. Yeah, that's correct. Um, You know, the the four four main pillars that you try and work on um, in terms of preparation for the game, the technical, tactical, physical, mental. Um, you have your schedule in where you need to get them sessions in for the week, planning from the from the game backwards if you like. And uh, yeah, and then if, like you say, the game gets changed from a Friday to a Saturday or from a, a Friday to a Sunday, it can disrupt your, your training pattern. Um, and then the mentality, obviously, of the, the playing group uh, and even the staff um, having a readiness to, to travel, a readiness to be ready on game day. Um, but again, um, I, th- I think it's just something that in in today's world um, we have to be flexible and we have to learn to deal with. Yeah, and you're always trying new things. I see this year you in November you're advertising a pre-academy um, program. Um, is that something you're going to be introducing in the future as well? Yeah, look, the pre-academy's up and running. Um, so it's for 2010-born uh, kids. Uh, basically, they play for their, their club and they come and do um, one or two sessions a week extra training um, with the Perthlow Academy coaches. Um, and again, it's just offering um, coaching um, to more range of kids. Um, and obviously, at, at under-13s is when our, our academy MPL level starts. So for us, it's a, it's a way of uh, talent ID and uh, the under-12, the 12-year-olds 12 and under. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been working really well. We train on a Tuesday and a Wednesday night and a Saturday morning. Um, so the kids in the pre-academy um, have got access to two sessions per week, so they can either come on a Tuesday and a Saturday or a Wednesday to Saturday. Um, and the idea behind that was not to clash with the club teams, yep. um, so the kids can still play with their clubs and they're coming to do an extra extra training session with the Perth Glory pre-academy coaches. That sounds like a good idea. Um, now, that's is that self-nominated? The kids come for trials and then get selected from a trial, or do you... 
have scouts looking at the the club games and saying, lads, you know, come and, and run, we'll give this a go? Yeah, look, the initial um, starting point for the pre-academy was trials. Um, so we had a, a open trials and a, a three-day um, holiday camp um, where the coaches identified players that would uh, come in and, and uh, be part of the, the pre-academy moving forward. Um, we are in the process of developing the scouting network now, which will expand across um, the sub-programs, but also into MPL juniors. Um, and they'll um, give us an idea and an understanding of all the talent that's out there in Western Australia and give them an opportunity at a professional club. And on on the MPL juniors, um, I know that there's a lot of very, very good clubs out there, that, but you see there's, a, there's an awful lot of clubs who seem to be um, putting teams in that are getting smashed every week. Um, is is the MPL working, or do you think it could do some some major tweaks? Yeah, look, I think it's it's a, a nationwide issue that Football Australia are obviously looking at at the minute. Um, the MPL, how it works, uh, is there a, a, an appetite for a national second division, and how does that actually plug into the, the football mm. spectrum, if you like, nationwide? So, I think with any any competition and any um, organisation, there's always room for improvement. Um, I think the main focus for, for us is making sure that all the kids have got a good quality program uh, that they're involved in and obviously good healthy competition um, on the weekends to, that they can partake in um, and help develop their football skills. Mm. I thought it was interesting, the European Super League that was um, the, one of the funniest 48 hours in football. Um <laughs> did highlight and, and impacted on Australia in as much as we, we had the, the chair of the FFFA saying um, that it was proof that the, the second division is essential, that promotion relegation is essential because the, um, the the Super League setup seemed very much like the A-League yeah. in that teams could compete and not be relegated. So that was one of the biggest complaints and I think that the national second division is a matter of when, not if. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think now we're at a point... Obviously, with the the A League, um, it's 15 years old now, and um, I think there's, there's definitely an appetite for a, a national second division with promotion and relegation incorporated into the football spectrum. Yeah. Um, and when when you're playing for relegation and when you're playing for promotion and you're playing for championship positions and Champions League positions, um, it just adds a little bit more to the spectacle, um, which in turn is great entertainment for the supporters. It's great for sponsors. It's great for for the game as a whole. So. Um, I agree with you that it's it's, it's a matter of uh, when and not if that the national second division uh, becomes part of the football landscape. And then I suppose for for yourself as a an academy an academy director and trying to, to get these kids through so they can play for the first team in glory, um, having a, another team that's sucking some of that talent away can be good and it can be bad because some of these kids coming through might get an opportunity to play in that setup rather than the glory but that could only make you stronger in some ways. Yeah, definitely. Look, I think competition, I've always seen competition is good um, and it'll make us better. It'll make us more accountable for what we're delivering. Um, but the main focus um, in the academy is to produce footballers. Uh, we're realistic. We're not um, airy-fairy where we know that every player in the academy is going to play for Perth Glory. Of course not. Um, but if we can develop footballers that, that might go on and play for... Um, Sydney FC or Western Sydney mm. Wanderers or mm. Central Coast Mariners or in Asia they might go and play in Singapore or um, and then if, if they come through the Perth Glory system and, and they go and play for Colburn or ECU 
Um, we'd like to think that coming out of our program, there'd be actually better players, which would enhance the standard, overall standard of the MPL. Um, yeah, that's something I've said for years, and and I think Glory have done that. There's lots of players that have come through the academy, fallen out the other side. Um, people like you know Dean Evans, gold medalist last year, was playing in the Glory setup mm. when he was a young fella. Um, but you know, talented footballer um, and playing at a very good level now. Yep. Yeah, and I think look, you've seen um, this season what head coach Richard Garcia wants to do and promote a lot of young kids out of the academy, um, give young WA boys a, an opportunity um, to play professional football. Uh, you know, we went across to the Champions League um, with seven um, of our academy players that played in the MPL last year, and it was a great experience for them to actually be playing Champions League football. Okay, albeit it was uh, different circumstances with no crowds and in a COVID bubble, but. Um, at the end of the day they, they were playing Champions League football against some of the best teams in Asia um, some of them have come back uh, you look at the likes of Daniel Steins and uh, Callum Timmins uh, they've yep. now been involved in a run of uh, A-League squad for, for most of the season Bryce Bafford's played Mason Tadafu's played in the first team so I think yep. it's, it's very important for us to give the kids an opportunity and um, and believe in them Like we, we, we understand that the young players are going to have uh, peaks and, and dips in their form and that's natural, that's normal um, and we just have to make sure that we keep them grounded when they're when they're up and pick them up when they're down. And you had young Collie went over and played in those champion, Champions League games um, didn't look out of place and you know, giving him more confidence going into the, the um, NPL season and you know, his leadership's coming through and I think you know you'd like to think that at some stage he's, he's going to be getting the first team gig yeah, definitely. Look, Giordano has been—he's been training really well with the first team. Um, the, the great thing for us is that they're, they're in every day, full time now. So um, the fitness levels are getting to a level where we know they can play A League football. Um, as you say, G's leadership skills um, has elevated him now to be the MPL captain. Um, and we're—we watch all the games obviously very closely with one eye on, on who can make the step up to the first team. Uh, yeah, certainly I don't think he'd be too far away. No, and the other thing is that you're turning out well-equipped footballers. As we said, some go back into state league and, and you look at um, some of the players, um, Steins is one and Bodnar's another who went into uh, state league setup or NPL setups last year, um, mm-hmm. proved themselves, have fallen back into the glory network again. So the, the fact that you've been through the academy and you know, you, you've reached the end of that journey and not continued it isn't the end of the world if you've if you've got good grounding and you're prepared to work hard it's still it's still there for you yeah definitely look Riley Warren's another one yep. um, yeah right Riley left and he's come back in and um, he's played a few A-League games now as well I think that's it, it was important for us to demonstrate that um, if you're performing well at whatever level you'll get an opportunity um, and the yeah. door's never shut um, because for us like I said at the end of the day it's about uh, giving kids an opportunity, um, but also um, not just giving opportunities for the sake of they have to be performing at a level that's worthy of coming in um, and playing in the A League. Um, so yeah, by all means, the door's never never shut. And I suppose the other thing is managing expectations and what the the players 
um, or where the players see themselves. I mean, I can think of two very good players, and Jamie McLaren's one, mm-hmm. and the other one was Brandon O'Neill. That you know, yeah. when they were playing for us, we thought it's only a matter of time before they're going to step up into the first team, and then both of them left. And I suppose is how do we stop that from happening? Um, you know, Brandon went on to the next year and, and became essential part of the Sydney side, and and Jamie went to Brisbane, and he, you know he's been a, a great striker since. But, uh, you know, when he left us, he was competing with Schmelzi and Keogh, mm. who were at their prime. Yeah, you're spot on with uh, managing the expectations and obviously the opportunities and the circumstances around who can and can't play in any, any given day. Um, and again, it's about the kids actually seeing there is an opportunity. Uh, the kids seeing there, there will be chances that they continue to perform and just being patient. Um, you know, I think with the two boys, it, you mentioned Jamie's gone on to do with what he did um, and what he continues to do in the A-League. Um, I actually worked with Brandon O'Neill for a period of time at, at Sydney FC. Um, and Brandon's a very, very ambitious, um, very uh, forward-thinking boy. Um, and he pushed and pushed and pushed his way into the Sydney team um, when he joined the club, actually, as a, a sort of a backup player mm. as well. So mm. I think every every individual and every circumstance and every situation needs to be looked at and its merits. Um and there's obviously reasons behind everything that that happens. But I think the main thing for us is to, to prove to these kids that there is an opportunity to be patient, to stay, believe in the process, believe in the, the programme, and you'll get your opportunity. And I suppose the other thing is with, with them is that, um, and you see it sometimes with kids, that they're in these elite academies and they start to walk around with an elite head on and, <laughs> and believe that they're, they're, they're the, the bee's knees. Do you, do you do anything in grounding those kids in, into appreciating how fortunate they are to be doing what they're doing and that, you know, there, there is, because uh, some of them, when, when it does go the way of the pair for them, they, they break down and they, you know, it becomes um, life impacting. Um, do you do a lot of work around that with, with kids? Yeah, I think that, that all comes down to the environment that you create. So the environment that we have is one of, humbleness, um, togetherness. Um, we're all in it together. We all work for each other. Um, if one player succeeds, we all succeed. So, for example, when when Kieran Bramwell made his debut this season um, for the A-League squad, um, we got all the academy kids to come and watch the game. The senior academy boys sit behind the goal. Um, we spoke to them before the game that this is your teammate. He's training with you day in, day out. Now he's playing for the A-League. Mm. Who's going to be the next one to step on the pitch in the A-League? How yeah. hard are you going to work what are you prepared to do to be the next one who's going to play? And for us, it was more about them being there to celebrate the mid success um, and then get back to the training ground the next day for the hard work. So um, we give them a little taste of what can be, but then the reality is the behind closed doors when no one can see how hard they're working um, on the pitch and on, in the gym as well. And I suppose when you look at uh, other academies around the world, the Southampton Academy was, was very successful based on the fact that the kids that are in that could see exactly that thing happening and there, there was not just the belief but there was an actual um, an actual physical pathway. If you were good enough, you were going to get a run and a lot of those lads have gone through that academy, have gone on to bigger and better and it's I think it, this year, particularly with the glory, it must be a godsend for someone like yourself to have um, that pathway so um, legitimised. Yeah, look, and the other the other great thing that we've got at the club is that we're all together. Um, so I know some other clubs, you, you have a youth team in the academy at one side and the, the first team at a different side, and you don't really cross paths. Mm. Um, we're very fortunate um, at HQ. 
um, we're all together. So the the under thirteens, under fourteens, fifteens, sixteens, when they're in the gym and doing their athletic development, you might have Diego Castro in there or Neil Kilkenny or some of the senior players in there mix, mixing with the kids. So uh, I think that brings the top and the um, the whole pyramid together as well, yeah. um, where the kids can actually see well, you know. This is where Diego Castro trains, and this is where Andy Keogh trains, or this is where um, Luke well, Bosner more, trains. More importantly, this is where I trained with him. Yeah, exactly right. So yeah. there's that togetherness, and there's that, as you say, that physical pathway where they can see an under 16 playing in the under 20s, and under 20 player playing in the NPL first team, and then uh, someone like a Mason Tadafu or Kieran Bramwell who is playing NPL um, against Bal Balcada yeah. or ECU. And then the next week we're playing against Brisbane Roar or Central Coast Mariners. And a 16-year-old like Risdon, uh, not Risdon, um, Josh Rollins. Rollins, yeah, yeah. Rollins doing the same thing, you know. Um, it's just just brilliant. And that's the sort of stuff that I like about the, the way you, the academy's structured. Uh, only one criticism I have about the, the, the whole setup is I think you're paying your ball boy too much. Um, LAUGHTER but, uh, no, look, it's great the work you're doing, Terry. It's great to catch up with you again. Um, just keep on churning them out, mate. I know it's uh, one or two a season is a, a really successful program, and I yep. think, you know, uh, with yourself in, in that seat, you're doing a terrific job. Thank you very much for your time, fellas. Thank you. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, the ball boy. Um, I've got to yeah. do something about that. He's not really a youth policy. It's, you know. Yeah, I know. I think that's just, yeah. <laughs> I just, I mean, people criticise Tony at times, but it shows you the passion of the man. Um, you know, he just oh, yeah, wants it, to be there and do things. And it's 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 such a A League moment when the owner, you know, writes himself in as the ball boy to attend the match. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that's the stuff we love. So it's super cool, isn't it? Really, <laughs> yeah. I think it's brilliant. But um, you know, good good on him. And I think the some of the stuff about the youth academy and the youth players. I mean, we we look at. Those players he's mentioned, they're all they're all up to somewhere between sixteen and twenty, yeah. uh, and they're playing first team. Yeah. And I think that's another thing we haven't factored in with our our season. They are enigmatic. They do have um, tricks and uh, peaks and troughs. Yeah. I think um, young Rawlins, he he gave away a penalty against Victory, and then the next game he played out of his skin was man of the match. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's that's what you get. You know, he's he's learning his trade. But yeah, uh, Bodnar was you know yeah. unfortunate with the own goal. Yeah, against uh, City and 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 certainly even even like late last season, Dane Ingham mm. banged in a couple of absolute belter goals yeah. while they're in the COVID hub. And yeah, all sort of like, oh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on this guy. And since then, he's been fine, but not yeah. you know, haven't seen any more of these cracking goals. No, no, but it, it's all part of that establishment yeah. process. And yeah. and you know, these guys, the one thing with them is they will get better. You know, and Andy Keogh has been a great servant to the club. Yep. Um, and probably this will be his swan song. But you know, he's not going to get any better than he is. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. I'd much rather have someone out there that was, you know, not performing but was getting there. D D'Agostino's, I suppose, the, the prime example there. He's off form a bit, yeah. as are all of the glory strikers. Yeah. But you, yeah. you get a feeling he's going to come back on at some stage and Hopefully look out. Before the end of this season too. Be nice, wouldn't it? Be Hope. nice if it was this Sunday. I was just about to say that. All righty, we're going to go to a break and we're back after that with Greg Farrell from West Coast Futsal. So we're back after these... Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. 
One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Mm, I love that one. So we're going to miss it when when Greg gives us a new one. That's right. It'd be any day, any day now, I reckon. Any minute. Yeah. Um, anyway, on the line now we have joining us is Greg Farrell from West Coast. Well, it's not West Coast football anymore, is it? Um, Greg, good morning. How are you? I'm good, gents. How are you guys? Good. Um, whole new name change, new logo, new um, radio ads. Yeah, we are looking to freshen things up and have a little bit of a, a directional shift. Um, yeah. I guess moving moving forward into a, a new decade, hopefully a a better year than than the one that we've had in the last twelve months. Yeah. Um, so yeah, new look and everything everything seems to be kicking off quite well. Yeah, it's good. I've seen the the new website. It's looking bright and cheerful, and and as always, very very busy. Um, you know, there, there seems to be an awful lot going on in the futsal world. Yeah, it, it's uh, except for the the periods of time that we've had with COVID lockdown, um, and being in Perth, we have been very lucky compared to the rest of the world. Um, Futsal doesn't really stop. It is a, a twelve months of the year sport. Yeah. So there's always something going on. How impacting has the last lockdown been on you? Because I, I think you wearing masks to the games. You don't wear them in the games, and then back on after the game. And or were you yeah, closed? <laughs> well, there's been like we we missed periods of time, especially with our our Super League competition. Yeah. Because it's just not it's not okay for people to be playing an elite level sport inside with a mask on. It's dangerous. Um, so we we didn't have any games while those mask mandates were for indoor sport. Mm-hmm. Um, the the outdoor AstroTurf football courts that we have were able to continue and, and uh, obviously the, the players were quite happy about that but there, w- there was always some consternation about, oh look, I'm taking my mask off here and it's safe <laughs> and it's safe over there when I'm wearing my mask but I guess everyone just has to do the right thing wherever possible. And we've been lucky, as I said, to, to get to this point and have been able to do as much as we have. And I think the uh, little bit of, um, I guess, the the issues that we have when, oh, I have to go back to the car because I forgot my mask. Mm. Like Those mm. are just such first world problems that we, 
should really just shut up and deal with them. I uh, know. I just I've just got used to the walk of shame. I've got to the shop and gone. Oh no! And you walk back, get the mask, go back in. But yeah, we, yeah we, well, we've we've all done I, it. I just gotten I just gotten used to adjusting to forgetting the the plastic shopping bags and going back to the car to yep. get them. Yeah. And then on the way back to get the shopping bags, now I remember to get the mask and and head back in with both. <laughs> We've all done it, brother. Um, I suppose the thing is, though, for you, for, from a business perspective, quite impacting. Um, obviously, there's all the, the hand wash and, and the, the having masks on and the Q codes and everything else. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a necessary thing. And I think part of the, the reason why the, the second week of the lockdown wasn't so impacting is that people did do the right thing during the first week. So the, the risk of spreading the second week had been really kind of mitigated. Yeah, well, and to be honest, <laughs> it, it, it's almost become second nature now to people. Um, I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times that I find myself just using hand sanitizer regularly during the day. Mm. And I still occasionally forget and, and will offer my hand to shake hands with somebody and... Um, but you then just reach for the hand sanitizer almost just out of out of habit. So yeah. and the the QR code, everybody's got a smartphone. I think the 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 small minority of people who have some sort of a concern that the government is keeping track of them <laughs> um, are probably not aware that there's satellites everywhere. And yeah. I think that's happening anyway. But it's just sort of everyone's sort of just gotten on yeah. board with it. And oh yeah, there's the there's the, the QR code, let's scan it and let's get on the court and play. Absolutely. Look, every time every time you put your, your bank card in the machine somewhere, that it's logged. Every time you drive past one of those cameras that can do your number plate, they know where you've been. Um, yeah, if you think the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing is that even carrying your mobile phone yeah, switched exactly. on, the towers track you. So, yeah. you know, if someone wanted to, they're already out there. And then if you really wanted to, the best way to do it is just look on their Facebook account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every time you do a status update. Yeah, uh, you know, you'd even know what they had for breakfast sometimes. So, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing with conspiracy theorists. Um, getting back to the West Coast, there's um, new comps coming up or we've got some leagues that are, are closed out? Yeah, so, uh, and I, I will be calling it Futsal WA from, from here on in. Um, yeah. We've got the... We've got new competitions starting at, at both Mount Lawley and West Perth Football Clubs. Um, and all the information, as you sort of said before, can be found on the new website, uh, Um But we're certainly always looking for, for new social teams for Monday to Thursday nights. We've got competitions for juniors, men's, women's and mixed Um and yeah, sort of cater to everybody and make sure everybody can have a good time. So, what kind of level is is the mixed comp? It's, it's ideal for you know boyfriend girlfriend um, to to go and play in, or yeah. So we we have various levels. So there's there's a mixed A and mixed B competitions, and in the 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 men's and the women's we have A A down to D grade. Um, so I was was playing with some friends in the the men's C competition the other night and having not played for nearly three years since I, I hurt my knee, it was uh, a vigorous exercise, certainly. So I found that the mask was not, not necessary at all. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's good fun and everyone's there just to enjoy themselves. And We've got players who play MPL and players who play 
Masters Division Three playing on the same court sometimes, but it's everyone's there for a good time and to enjoy themselves. There's an idea for you and the wife, Pete, on a date night. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so. Well, yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you want to, if you want to put a mixed team in, guys, I'm more than happy to get you sorted. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we would do bad goalkeepers in Sydney now, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a shout out to Miranda if she's listening. <laughs> no, but I think uh, the thing is that there is something there for the whole family, and I suppose the other point is that you know. If you've got a, a family that is football orientated, it's just another avenue to enjoy the game together. That you've got the mixed team, so I'd imagine, uh, as you said, uh, mixed ability with um, leagues and you know different. You will find the area or the league that suits your ability, but also um, there's an opportunity to have you know, mum, dad, and, and a, a kid playing in the same team. Oh yeah, well, and that's that, that's even the case for for up in, into the elite level football. There are have been quite a few cases. One very, very good one is um, Jess Lindquist, Felicity Lindquist, and Keely Lindquist, two uh, a former Beckenham players and used to, well, now play and coach down at Forestfield, have have played in um, the Super League competitions together and against each other. And uh, there was a stage a couple of years ago when Felicity, as a 16 or 17 year old, was the state women's goalkeeper, mm. and Jess. And I won't reveal Jess's age. Uh, was was still in in the state women's team, having um, still been a, a an outdoor Premier League player at the same time. Um, so it's certainly that there are opportunities for everybody. Um, it, it's definitely one of the biggest and and most uh, I guess fast paced game that's growing really quickly in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah. It's, it's certainly not limiting in in any way, really. Now, one of the things that COVID did do is it robbed you of your national and international competitions. Is there any sign of those things coming back in now? Yeah, so we actually just had, last weekend we had trials. So we had our, our school titles uh, in, in March and we had nearly 30 schools represented by more than 160 teams. Um, and so from there, we, we selected individuals to come to trials for state teams to go over to the national school football mm-hmm. championships in, in Brisbane in September. Yep. So those trials were last weekend, and then we've got a secondary trial coming up next weekend or the weekend after in, for, for the individual teams. Um, and fingers crossed, the, the COVID situation doesn't rear its ugly head at the wrong time. Um, but we the, the the domestic travel certainly is becoming much more frequent, and I think um, the safeguards and the, all of the checks that are in place are helping with people's confidence in that. Um, international travel is still probably a little while away. We were we actually just received um, an invitation to a tournament in in Burma just before there was the the military situation that's currently happening over there. Yeah. Um, so that, that aside from COVID, there's always other things that, that are cropping up, but we are just going to have to be patient and wait and see what happens. Yeah, look, the the international stuff is not just about about COVID. The the situation in Myanmar is, is terrible. Um, yeah. And it impacts on everybody um, globally, even if you don't think it does, it does. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the... 
the the COVID situation is one thing, but then the political climates and obviously all this posturing with China is is not making things very happy. But you know, it's it's the way of superpowers and what they do. Um, how's the situation in Europe? Because I know yet you, you have lots of contacts in Portugal and Spain and, and places like that. And, and I noticed this morning the UK have got Australia down as a green destination. So um, it looks like most of Europe is is getting through that first or second wave and looking now to opening up borders. Yeah, so I was, I was on the phone with uh, my, my best mate who is in the UK uh, yesterday. He's a, a football manager. Um, and he sort of said the, the precautions that they've got in place for for athletes and for sports people have been terrific. He is managing in the Welsh Premier League, mm-hmm. um, but they, they've they been very lucky um, with the, the way that the government and, and the football associations over there have been able to work, um, and, and their situation is much more football-oriented than ours over here. So it's, it's the same in, in Spain and Portugal. The, the top divisions in the men and the women have essentially been able to start the, the season that's just about to finish now, um, back in, in August or September, relatively free of, of issues. They all had to have cut regular COVID tests and stay in bubbles. Um, they weren't allowed to see family for periods of time last year, but early this year that stuff started to ease off and the travel around Europe is a lot more frequent now as well. Um, so there's a, a big coaching conference that, that's happening in Madrid that I was supposed to be attending uh, <laughs> in, in in the middle of June, which is going to be attended by sort of 120 or 130 coaches from all around Europe. Um, they've just had the, the Men's Champions League. Uh, there are women's European Championship matches happening, so... The, the actual football and football players have been relatively lucky because they're, they're so high profile that clubs and the associations will just make it work. Greg, the, um, the Futsal World Cup is on this year. It's been postponed for a year and it's in Lithuania. Now, looking through the qualifying, I see Australia, we sort of got knocked out by Vietnam early on, um, but we have competed in previous Futsal World Cups. Do we get any support from the FFA? I seem to remember something that they sort of washed their hands of uh, football. And, and then they got their hands dirty again, but yeah. not that dirty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so the the World Cup was supposed to be in Lithuania last year and yep. we were actually supposed to be attending it with, uh, a rep, with a group of representative players that we were taking to a tournament in Madrid. Yep. Then COVID happened and everything was postponed. Um, but... With regard to, well, I think it's now just Football Australia. Um, yeah, yep. I, I think it was four or five years ago they started to pay attention to football again just before the previous World Cup, um, yeah. having not really done too much in the previous six or seven years except for send a team who quite often had to pay a fair bit of money themselves to go to the tournament. Um, and we had some quite good players. We also, because of the Football Federation Australia's lack of impetus and, and I guess, development for futsal, had a lot of players who weren't considered and, and weren't looked at for the, the team. Um, and the 
the Futsal Ruse, which is the name of the side, tends to be very Sydney-centric. Mm, um, yeah. it, it tends to still be the same few people having input who are good friends with former Soccer Australia and, and current Football Federation Australia people. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's certainly not a good situation, and the the help that Football Federation Australia could be for futsal is definitely not anywhere near the level that it should be, um, let alone the the regional governing bodies, Football West and Football yeah. New South Wales, etc. Mm. Well, I remember a couple of years ago I, I spoke to you about it because there was um, some stuff going on with some unscrupulous futsal um, companies that were recruiting people for Australian sides for which they, they paid for the pleasure of playing for Australia. Mm. And I think it was it was raised by one of the, the parents who held a New Zealand citizenship and a New Zealand passport and thought it was a bit odd that her daughter has been asked to play for Australia. Um, <clears throat> and it was it was very much um, a raw business that was going on. So FA got involved and, and was supposed to, to have a whole layer of governance going in, but you're saying that hasn't happened. And then I suppose from that, if FA are in charge of futsal across the state, then obviously by um, localisation, the, the WA... Um, body is also responsible so football wa are also responsible for futsal in the state well and that's that's kind of where there, there are issues like there are multiple um multiple organizations that send teams away and overseas um and i mean the the reality is for sport in australia that you make a football west state team you're still paying to go overseas yep. you and unless you're in the Young Matildas, the Junior Matildas, the Joeys, the Ollie Roos, or the Socceroos, you're paying to go on trips. So um, the the Pararoos, I know they had to raise money yep. or face the facts of pay, paying some money themselves yes. to go, despite the fact that they're representing the nation, Australia, yep. through Football Federation Australia. So, um, but like I said, there's there's lots of organisations that purport to run futsal in Australia. Yeah. Um, some some certainly have practices that I dislike and I, I sort of, you know everybody within the game. Yeah. Um, and some, I, I believe, are, are in the game exactly the same as me to develop the sport and in the best interest of, of young people and developing yeah. the game. Um, but... I'm certainly not going to pass judgment on people for, for doing their best when the FFA are doing far less. No, I, I see that the FA should should be the ones who are saying that anybody that's going to send a representative team that represents the country or a state has to have the approval of the, the state body or the national body to do so. I mean, anyone can just... I, I could just collect... Um, a group of players and, and charge them 10 grand a pop and then say, right, we're, we're the Australian representatives for whatever. Mm. Um, and there, there needs to be some control over that. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, oh, and I, yeah, sorry, some I, I governance. Certainly don't, certainly don't disagree with that. The only, only caveat I would put on it is that the FFA have never had a women's futsal team um, because FIFA have never had a women's futsal World Cup. Mm. And there's never been the opportunity for youth futsal players through FIFA, through AFC, through FFA, 
two go away 20 tournaments, which is why these other associations have banded together and yeah. created whatever networks they can to try to provide opportunities for people. Yeah. Yep. Oh no! Look, and I don't decry anyone. I mean, obviously, um, for you, it's it's a business. It's your livelihood, and and you've got to you've got to make money to do that. Um, yep. But you know, the, the your primary drivers are providing that service to to enough people to make it worth your while. Um, and you know, you've got the right intent, and that's that's never a problem for me. It's just that some people seem to be out to fleece every single cent they can out of people, mm. um, and that that is a problem for me. Yeah, well, and that's and and it's been a problem for for twenty or thirty years. The same with with private academies who uh, charge people forty and fifty and sixty dollars for for an hour session. I, I along with doing the the outdoor football coaching that I also do, yeah. I've been asked by some some players who I've coached in the past to do some individual coaching with them, mm. and. I've then spoken to them about other things that they've done um, with academies in in Perth and specific football training places, and it, they're, they're paying fifty and sixty dollars for an hour, an hour and a half. And that's it, interesting because it's, it's an unregulated market. There is nothing to stop me and Pete starting up the Sean and Pete Academy yeah. and charging people a hundred bucks an hour. And if they pay it, they come and, and happy days for us, yeah. but not for oh, the players. Yeah. And then you've got these people who are, who are paying that to um, a skills coach, paying that to an endurance coach, paying that to a weights coach, and then bulk at paying the $300 fees for the club because it's, it's too expensive. I know, yeah. And that's, that is a very common thing that I've been hearing recently. Yeah. Um, people, people talk to us about the sessions that we do for, for the representative futsal teams that we have and they're so impressed and they're so happy to be a part of it because they pay enormous amounts of money for other sessions that are well, the, the, the kids are coming away from it being bored, not learning, not developing, doing the same thing for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour. Yeah. And you just look at it and go, yeah, there's a big problem there. But there's a lot of people out there that will say, give me your 60 to whatever amount of dollars it is for an hour a week and I will guarantee you your kid will be a professional footballer and, and getting Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo-sized contracts in no time. And, and people are selling a dream, and that then undermines clubs, it undermines legitimate businesses like yours um, who are trying to do the right thing and develop kids. Yeah, well, I, I don't know what the answer is, to be honest, but I, I think, as you said before, more, more input, more impact from the Football Federation would be beneficial uh, and I think at the end of the day I'm sort of an advocate for people naming and shaming and yeah. I'm, yeah. Def I'm definitely not going to do that here but no. I think if, if people get ripped off, if people have been purported to be doing what you just said yeah. and charging charging kids $70, $80 for an hour and it's not as advertised then I think we need to let the community know what's going on and that these people shouldn't be trusted. Well, and I, I think we, we talk about a governing body, govern, you know, mandate it so that there has to be some attachment to a club. I mean, uh, most of these clubs need, uh, particularly NPL clubs, need um, a certificated um, uh, coach so that you could have that TD um, 
operating from from a club they they could certainly be earning money through the club but you know the the fact is that we're we're driving people away from clubs and then some of the clubs are charging extortionate fees as well um and there's there's just no control and i suppose that's part of the problem you know there's there's kids being charged out there to to sign up um, for full season fees in November, December mm. for the MPL, who then, if they don't make the squad or they decide they don't want, like the coach or whatever, walk away from it and get billed for the entire year um, without even kicking a ball in anger for the club. So I think there's some, some dodgy practices out there. Well, yeah, and that's, I'm also, amongst the other things, on the, the women's standing committee through Football yep. West, and there has been some some issues with clubs doing exactly that, signing up players and then in in March or April telling them, oh, sorry, there's no team for you. Um, and then but I'm keeping, we're, we're keeping your money. <laughs> so, well, yeah, and those yeah. players then, and families not getting their money back. So, um, again, one of the, that would also be one of the benefits of getting involved with Futsal WA. Yeah. We are a not-for-profit organisation. We definitely do not uh, charge you an arm and a leg and you, your kids, your family, everybody can come down and play, and it is extremely reasonably priced. <laughs> Wonderful, Greg. And they, anyone wanting to get in touch with you can find you on the your web presence and your internet presence, um, and you're always available. Yeah, certainly on on Facebook, on Instagram, on probably on on Snapchat and and other social media places that I don't not even aware of. Um, but, yeah, people can find my contact details on the web and, and get in touch if you are interested in playing. And yeah. we, we've linked you on the um, World Facebook page uh, group yeah. today as well. So Terrific. Be able to see you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're not aware of your TikTok profile, but it's horrendous, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not aware of my TikTok profile. And if anybody would like a reward, please get in touch with me about how to take down my TikTok <laughs> profile, if there is one. No, just kidding, mate. Um, look, thank you for being on. Um, wonderful sponsor for the radio program, but you do a great job out there for the community. So just keep doing it, mate. Thank you very much, guys. We very much appreciate the World Football Program support. Thank you, mate. See ya. In, in, in developing and growing futsal. Cheers, guys. Have See a good ya. day. Yeah, no, Greg's a great guy and he does a good job out there with the futsal and it is open for everybody and I think that's you know very important that that's what we do. Um the, the mixed mix comps sound interesting. I've I've played in a few different venues over the years. I I don't recall ever seeing a mixed f- futsal competition before anywhere else. No, so, no. I've, I've seen a few of that one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. I think it's great. You know, if you if you um, playing in the NPL or the state league and your girlfriend plays for one of the NPL or state league teams, why wouldn't you play yeah. it together? Exactly. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? You get married. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I see what I did see. We talked about academies. Um, there was a, a another... Mark Lee was a, a bloke I was trying to get onto the show and because he's coaching right now, he can't be on the show. But he did put up a, a thing about um, training for parents. So he's got this program yeah. that, that teaches parents how to support their children so instead of being on the sidelines yelling out all the things that parents normally yell out yeah. it's, it's about moderating some of those things that get yelled out oh yeah 
And I think I think ninety, in my experience, ninety five percent of parents do the right thing. Yeah, um, but it's that five percent that ruin it for everybody exactly, else with yeah. the ugly parent syndrome and and things like that. So I I, I get it, and I think it's um. It's interesting, but, you know, we, we need to be looking at, at changing some of those attitudes. And we were talking earlier about the, the, the send-off in the Armadale game. Um, whilst the decision itself, the referees, you know, a millisecond to make it and people have got opposing views, respect his decision. Um, but the amount of yelling from the sidelines and, and some of the yelling leading up to it, particularly from the coach, was just, yeah, yeah I mean... When the, when the people were watching the comments come up on the live stream and they're not talking about the game, they're talking about the language. Yeah. And I know in another game, um, first division game, the camera was right next to the coach and they actually switched the sound <laughs> off because it was just, yeah. yeah. And I think that they're the sorts of thing that, that don't do our game any good. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. I'm I'm not offended. I don't care if people swear. It doesn't bother me. But there have been times I've gone... To like sort of muttered under my breath, you know, turn it down a bit because there's yeah. there's a lot of people around, and you know. But not, not only that, I'm just thinking from a, from a player's perspective. If I've, I wanted to be motivated, someone swearing at me is just not going to do it. You <laughs> yeah. know, if I, if I wasn't having a good game, I, I'm pretty sure that most players out there know it's already know it. Yeah, yeah, they already know it, that it's not going well. They know they should have got back to their effing spot and things like that so it's it's not good and it's not a good look for the game um yeah. and if, particularly if you've got parents who are watching the you know the mpl side or the state league um premium body again why would i want my kid to be subjected to that yeah 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 no, i agree entirely yeah, I mean, by all means, I think as a coach, you've, you've lost all control once they go over the line and yelling at people to man up or, or is fine, um, you know, to get position is fine. But when you tell them to pass it to Bobby, um, you know, this is this is not FIFA 2021. This, yep. this is yep. real life and yep. that player's going to make his own decision. Yeah. Good and or it's bad. And it's up to what you've done yeah. in training. Yeah, I, I think, look... Anything that rules out, in particular, and I've seen some very ugly parents. I remember throwing um, a coach out of an under sevens game once because he was, no, he was yelling, "Chop them down, <laughs> mate, go!" <laughs> yeah, that was horrendous. But yeah. you know, look, that's that's the way it is. Um, so we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this. With just before you do, uh, yeah. to clarify, yes, the women's Champions League final is on SBS, uh, uh, streamed live and on demand. Uh, 4.30 Eastern Standard Time, which I believe is 2.30 in the morning, uh, Monday morning next week. So Monday okay. of the, uh, whatever the date that is, the 17th. Yep. Set your alarm clocks, get yep. up, it'll be worth clock. it. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Lost West Fencing and Royal Triant. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The OzWest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au don't fence me in the World Football Programme is a community programme run by volunteers. Just like our host station, Radio Fremantle, applies for government grants and sponsorships from year to year to keep us on air. Your support by way of station membership or donation is greatly valued. 
Contact Radio Fremantle weekdays 94942100 for information on how to become a member or to donate to the station. Thanks for your support. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. And we're back in the room. No, we haven't touched on the women's NPL yet, Pete. No, so women's NPL, they actually had two games last night. Uh, Perth SC had a 2-0 win over Fremantle and Murdoch University Melville. Mum FC continue steamrolling everyone with a 3-0 win over Subiaco AFC. Uh, on Sunday, the round will be completed with Hyundai NTC against Balcata and Northern Redbacks against Curtin. So mm, a couple of good games there. Mum FC and Fremantle both tied at the top on nine points. Yeah, I was surprised with that result last night. I think, um, yeah, didn't expect Perth to win that one oh, myself. Okay. That's uh, his first win of the season. Very good. Yeah, and Danielle uh, Brogan out there at Perth, uh, guest on the program on a regular basis. So, yeah, yep. good to see she's got a win. Um, someone from Fremantle who's very much looking forward to a win would be our next guest in Cameron Lord. Cameron, good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. How are you? Good. Um, last season, COVID year, um, first year at the club with a, a team that, you know, was kind of half of what was left in the season before. You, you did pretty well, finished third. Um, I think last year the criticism was probably you didn't start off that well. You have seem to have rectified that this year. Yeah, it was an interesting season last season. Um, and it was probably the same for a lot of clubs, really. Just, uh, I think, through through last season, we had a lot of kind of players coming and going throughout the year just through, through various reasons. It was really hard to kind of, um, you know, string the same set of group of players together week by week kind of thing. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges that we had last season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you say, we've, we've brought in a really good group of people together uh, who, you know, as a bit of an added bonus, they're good, some good footballers as well. Uh, and we've made a half-decent start to the season. Oh. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good start to the season. More than half decent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> a, a bit of a blip last week, though, against Swan. Well, that's why it's only half decent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, interesting game. Um, I think it was just one of them games where we just weren't clinical enough both ends of the pitch. Credit to Swan. They hung in there and uh, capitalised on, on a couple of opportunities that they had. Um, but, yeah, we just, we just couldn't get the winner to get the uh, three points and... Luckily for us, uh, Mandra did us a bit of a favour with Knights, 3-0 down to come back 3-3. So, um, yeah, we are where we are in the league. Yeah, and uh, if you're going to be anywhere really in the top three or four would be where you need to be at this stage of the season and you know, be considered a serious contender. Um, I noticed some of the players you brought in, there's a, there's a couple of good names there in Todd Howarth and, and Noah Shamaki. Um, they were good pickups for you. Yeah, there's uh, Hayden Stevens, um, uh, Adriana Jelanovic, um, we've brought in Jordan Barber, Holly Rigula, there's a couple of other ones as well. Yeah, and I, I noticed yeah. your, your youth policy is going well. You, you've got uh, Chris Thackeray there. Does, does the man ever age? <laughs> yeah, no, Chris is a you know he's a great person to have around. Uh, yeah, any, any club that's involved in this really, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a half decent balance with experience and youth within our group. Um, you know, we've got Josh Macri, Angus Grant, who did really well towards the end of last season. He's training with the first team. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other boys as well. So, yeah, the, the group that we've got is pretty well balanced just in terms of experience in youth. Yeah, I've uh, known Chris for a long good. time. He's, he's a terrific uh, young fella and he's, he's a good coach in his own right as well, so he might have to look out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's a good top fella. Yeah. Um, 
You lost Riley Van Deken. Um, he was your top scorer last year, a, a very good young player, and uh, we had his brother playing for us. Um, you know, the Van Deken family, are a very talented bunch of boys. Yeah, Riley, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of time for Riley. Just, uh, you know, a good person, good player. Uh, I think uh, he came to us late through kind of the, the start of last season. Um, you know, and it's, uh, when he kind of hit his straps, he certainly hit his straps. Um, yeah, fantastic player. Um, yeah, it wasn't to be obviously for us this season. He wanted to kind of explore uh, playing with Perth in the NPL, which, you know, absolutely no problem at all. We wished him all the best. Uh, but yeah, you know, fantastic player, better person. Um, and yeah, we wish them all the best. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, you've got a good blend now of, of youth and experience. How's that going with with your style of coaching? I mean, some of these um, players, in particularly in Todd Howarth and and Chris, um, very experienced, been around the league a long time. Um, I think they're probably just a, a tad older than you. So, how does that go for you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. You know, so especially people like you know Todd Howarth, Matty Sparrow, people. Are- Played at like you know a high level of football, um, you know to have that experience and now within your group, um, you know they make more experienced players to talk and, and help the younger ones through you know a certain aspects of the game. Um, yeah, it, it makes my life a little bit easier in a sense where instead of it's just my voice, I've, I've got a few other voices on the pitch at the same time, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's really really good for us to have the the people like Todd Howard, Chris Zachary, uh, Maddie Sparrow. Uh, there's one or two other ones, uh, you know, with a with half-decent playing background as well that we've got as well. So, yeah, the, the more talk is just in terms of to get their messages across on the pitch, the better. And you, you're still very much into the, the sports sciences and, and the, the, the the scientific approach to the game? Yeah, they all get monitored, um, much to uh, Hayden Stevens' detest. Uh, yeah, they all get kind of tracked in terms of what they're doing training-wise. Uh, so we can kind of stay on top of them just in terms of the loading, uh, making sure you know they're, they're doing all, all the meterage and, and the minutes that they need to do within the week to, to prepare them for, for the weekend. Um, so, yeah, 100%. That's a, it's a big part of kind of what, what I like to do in terms of my philosophy of, of coaching and, and, I guess, my background of education as well. So, yeah, some of them don't like it, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, they all get like, to look after. But it's all those little one percenters, isn't it? Oh, of course, yeah. I think... Uh, I think football, it's, it's a game of one percenters, and one percenters can certainly win your games of football, and then one percenters can certainly win your leagues. Um, so it is a opportunity for us to explore them one percenters to, you know, to uh, put us in a better position to win games of football and potentially win this league. That we'll do it 100. percent Now, I think Mandra are having a, a similar season yourself, uh, the one you had last year. They, they've won the night series, and then, like a lot of night series winners, <laughs> the start of the season has, has not been what they expected. I think in the last couple of weeks, they're starting to come good. Is this a good time to meet them or not? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to play teams twice throughout this league anyway. So for me, it doesn't really matter when we play them. Uh, I think obviously there will be, uh, you know, there'll be a lot of positivity and whatever else um, after the result last week. Uh, but, but yeah, regardless of, it doesn't matter when you play manager, right? you know what you're going to get from them. Uh, Blood and Thunder, 100% effort. You know, they, they've got a half decent squad. Um, but but yeah, they, for me, it doesn't really matter when you play manager. They're going to be given the same in terms of effort, desire, and will to win. Uh, so we need to make sure that we're going to perform today with the football that we can play, but we need to make sure that we match them in terms of, you know, the, the application and the attitude of, you know, the will to win, because they've certainly got that in abundance. Absolutely. And then one of your former players from last year in um, Tuffy is going to be pulling on a shirt for Mandra, so there's a, there's a little bit of interest there as well. 
Yeah, I'm sure Tuffy will want a clean sheet and win the game. And, you know, that's just the way he is. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's worried about clean sheets. I don't think he worries about uh, yellow cards. I think he just worries about winning and that's it. He's he's a bit uncom- <laughs> yeah. He's non-compromising, isn't he? Well, that's right. Yeah, that's one of his assets. But, um, but, but yeah, I think he'll obviously want to win the game. Um, you know, obviously being with Fremantle uh, last season. Uh, but yeah, regardless of who's on the pitch, generally speaking, three man or first manager, I think with, uh, with them last few seasons, it's been a pretty pretty entertaining fixture. Yeah, I know. Look, they're, they're a, as you said, a very good, strong side um, and interesting uh, where they are at the year because I think most people had them tipped for a, a much higher position on on the season. So um, for yourself, though, you're, you're sitting second on goal difference. If you'd have won last week, you would have been clear top. But uh, this game really is coming up for you as a, as a must win because if you, if you don't win this one, you, you fall back into the pack and, and you'll lose touch with Western Knights uh, and if you do win it it kind of puts you in the box seat again doesn't it yeah it does it does um, you know I think where we're at within the league and what we're aspiring to do this season you know I think every game for us is a, is a must win for us um, yeah obviously hurt and frustration in terms of the result last last week uh, you know but we've got to turn it into a bit of positive energy and use that against Panda to our advantage uh, you know we want to win today um, and we want to make sure that if we win today, then it's putting pressure on Western Knights that you know they need to win to, to match us kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's a really important game for us. You know, we're you know we're here to win. Uh, we want to win this game of football. Mm, yeah, but I mean, every team does, and there's no <laughs> one. I mean, I imagine um, UWA who are playing Knights today are going out there expecting to turn the Knights over. So, um, you know. Mandra have been tipped as, as the favourites to win this one in a very tight game, but um, I'm sure you'll be using that as, as um, collateral to, to urge your boys on. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah the, some of the tips are always interesting, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes it makes the other uh, teams off easy. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think in this league, uh, you know, if a team turns up on their day, it doesn't matter where they're in the league, they can certainly take, uh, take points off you know, the opposition. Certainly we experience that. Last week with uh, with Swan and uh, to an extent Western Knights experienced that last week with uh, with Mandra, Despite you know their poor start, they're still a good team. Um, but yeah, the the I guess the early stages of the season sometimes the league table is a little bit false. Uh, but but yeah, yeah, regardless, you know you, you need to make sure that you turn up on the day and perform on the day if you want to win games football in this league. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, with the the rest of the club, uh, you've obviously got some some very good people there at the club, um, Morris Atiri and, and and such. Um, the support from the club's been been very good. How much support do you give to the club in in the juniors and and the women, or is it you just completely concentrating on the 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 state league side? Yeah, I'm really just part of the state league. Um, uh, they've obviously uh, appointed Federico as the the junior TD, so he kind of looks after all the junior aspects in the junior MPL and the academy that they've got here. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I think it's uh, I think Thomas is everything involved with the, the women's MPL. So, so yeah, kind of think instead of like having one big umbrella, where uh, I guess it's uh, you know a lot of work to be done over a, a board of of a number of teams. I think we're just kind of designated in terms of you know what are the specific roles that we uh, that we need to be tasked with to, to make sure that we're doing the right thing and ticking the boxes and getting. And achieving what the other club wants to achieve in our roles, and and you set the the culture for the resis and the 18s, and how both of those teams shaping up this year. Yeah, there's a it's, it's a decent young group throughout both both sides. Um, I'm, just, I'm just watching the uh, the 18s play now. 
So, um, so yeah, there's, there's a half decent amount of uh, youth coming through, um, and kind of there's, there's been quite a bit of exposure within the first team training group with with the ones that are performing and doing the right thing. So there's certainly a kind of a pathway for you know that experience and exposure for the younger ones into the first team, regardless of you know what our aspirations are um, for this season, which I think is important for the long term of you know just the development of the of the club and also more importantly the player as well. So um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a really good uh, good youth development kind of going through in Fremantle at the moment, which is great. And, and Fremantle are themselves a very ambitious club. Uh, they've been you know. Um, nominations for the national second division etc so there's, there's no doubt that you want to be an MPL setup having been with a club that's achieved MPL um, and then coached at that level is there any lessons you've learned um, that can be shared with the club in is in preparation for that step up to the next level um, I think associated with that step up is you know you, you get the promotion and it's obviously fantastic to get promoted but I think obviously the next step is just to make sure that you stay in that league um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, lessons were certainly learnt with with that season in the MPO with Rockian. Um, probably more specifically, like obviously more kind of the coaching aspect and and what's required and what's needed from from a playing level. Um, which is yeah, it, it's interesting the difference between say like state league division one and the MPO. It's certainly uh, you know we we spoke about the one percent previously, um, and you know during the games the the players, uh, you know. Performing to them 1% is outstanding. You're checking in, checking out, things like that. They're certainly more apparent in the MPL. Um, so to be able to kind of develop and, and trying to get that message across as quickly as possible to the playing group, uh, you know, in that first season, the MPL, it, it's really important. Um, you know, we did it at Rockingham. Um, we were able to stay up that season. And I wish them all the best and hopefully they can continue to, to grow and develop as an MPL club. But, uh, but, you know, when we get there, we need to make sure that we, uh, we're ticking our boxes to make sure that when we are in MPO club, uh, we, we certainly stay there. Yeah, in the um, FFA Cup, you you played against uh, ECU Joondalup. That was um, a good look at the MPL set up for, for your players. Um, how'd you, although the result didn't go your way, how do you feel you, you matched up against them? Uh, I thought we played really well that day. Um, we changed kind of the the system and the setup kind of, uh, you know, counteract kind of what ECU were doing. Um, we felt the players did very well. Uh, after about 30 seconds, we could have been 1-0 up. Um, it took ECU probably 60, 65 minutes to kind of break us down and score the first goal. Uh, literally, the next phase of play, we could have scored. And then from the corner, we hit the post. Um, and then towards the end of the game, they, they scored a second. And then the last kick of the game, they scored the third. Um, also, considering that ECU played on the Thursday night and we played on the Saturday, I thought we did... Uh, you know, we we did very well that day. Um, yeah. Uh, so so yeah, it was it was a nice little look at this to see kind of what that you know what's required at that level, considering also that they obviously won the league last year. Uh, but but yeah, with uh, maybe on another day, we it could, the result could have been a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, it kind of showed to me that you know the, the group that we've got certainly aren't far away, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you you look at the um, that fixture round for the the FFA Cup. I think most of the um, MPL teams have managed to move their games um, to midweek um, because of, because of the player fatigue issues. Um, they'd already played three games for match fit and everything else. Your guys had played Saturday, the very first game of the season, and then had to play three day or two days later in an FFA Cup game against a team that's 
you know, a, a league above and B, fully rested. Um, and I don't see how the, the player fatigue argument ran for them and not for the, for the state league. But it's something we've all learned from this year. Yeah, it's, um, the, the way that the fixtures ran, we we looked at kind of moving our fixture, but we just weren't able to because I believe UWA moved their cup game to a midweek game, but then they oh oh dear. Well, there we go. Um, obviously, someone has dived in, and maybe maybe Football West <laughs> <laughs> love a conspiracy theory, but there you go. So unfortunately, we've lost Cam in that. Um, in that conversation, um, and given the time, I'm, I'm not going to give him a call back. Yeah. Um, Cam, thank you very much for being on. Um, obviously, the the game against Mandra today is mine for mine the, the pick of the round. Yep. Um, you know, these are two very ambitious clubs going hard at it, and both of them need a result. So, I think for the neutral, if you're down this way, um, it's worth going up the road from here and, and having <laughs> yeah, a watch. Check it out, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look. Cam's a great young coach. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's coached at MPL level. Um, he's got some really good players in that squad. And, and I think come the end of the season, they're going to be there or thereabouts. Yeah. 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 Well, while, while we're on the subject, we may as well run through the uh, first division results. Absolutely. And, uh, fixtures. So, yeah. so last week it was a 3-2 win to Joondalup over Ashfield. Mm-hmm. Sterling Macedonia 2-1 over Kingsway Olympic. Uh, as we alluded to, Mandurah City and Western Knights had a 3 all draw. Uh, Fremantle City had a two-all draw away to Swan United. UWA Nedlands hosted Subiaco AFC and went down 2-0. And Quinns had a 2-1 away win over Forestfield. So, and today, as we said, uh, Fremantle City is hosting Mandurah City. Ashfield are hosting Swan. Forestfield United travelling to Kingsway Olympic. Western Knights are hosting UWA Nedlands. Uh, Subiaco AFC at home against Sterling Macedonia. And Quinns at home against Joondalup United. So it's still early days on the table, but West Knights and Fremantle City both top of the table with 10 points, uh, down to F- Mandurah and Forestfield at the other end yet to notch up a win, although they've both had a draw or two. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, both of those teams, I mean, Mandurah took out the night series yep. um, and, you know, you you expected them to, to go on with it and then they didn't. And uh, Forestfield, very unusual for Forestfield to have. I think they had a bad start last season, but not this bad. Yeah. Um, and we'll be talking to Steve Nielkowski very shortly about um, that game. But, um, yeah, they're desperate for a win. Uh, you, If you want to be – both of these clubs now want to be in the, in the top four. Yep. Um, if they don't do it this week, each week becomes harder and harder. Yep. And uh, Mandra also hosting Coburn in the Cup next weekend as yeah well. so, uh, so yeah no, the re- said, a, lot of, a lot of the first division teams seem to have uh, not made it through to the uh, fifth round of the cup oh no look and I think there's there's been some dissatisfaction with the way that played out over the the week I mean the the thing is that the the draw is already loaded for MPL sides. They're, they're three games into their season. They're match fit. They're yep. all, um, you know, starting to, to come good. They argued on the on the basis of player fatigue not to have the two games in the same weekend and were able to shift some of their games. Um, the first division played their very first game of the season on the Saturday, which obviously with all the pent-up aggression and everything else that people have got, are always going to be tough games. Yep. And then most of them got beaten on the on the Sunday, uh, sorry, on the Monday on by the, Monday, the yeah. 
by the, the, by the well-rested side. NPL sides. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think, you know, look, it's, it's the way it is. I understand people want to win cup games and they want to get everything that's above them or, or, or available to them, but let's just do it on a... Yeah, reasonable basis. You know? I see. I see. Quinana United are still in the cup as well. Yeah, so. but the, you know, it's also about the draw that you get. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, so they, they didn't come a, up against an NPL yeah, side in the first round. Draw, but um, well, now they've got Perth SC. So yeah, that's um, we'll see how that goes. Oh, there's no guarantee. Yeah, no, no. Good no. luck to Quinana in that one. And that, and that's the magic of the cup, you know. But I think there's from a state perspective, there's still some things we need to to be able to address. Um, one of the ones is that you've got teams from Albany and Kalgoorlie and other places putting in, yep. and either they or their opposition are pulling out of the games because of the distance they've got to travel. Um, and I think it, there is some assistance through Football West for that. That, that was always very disappointing when we've yeah. gone over the, through the Cup. Uh, looking at the results these days, I can actually only see one forfeit. So it looks like there have been teams, well, you know, Football Margaret River travelled up to, to Perth Hills. And, but it looks like, for what it's worth, teams are making the making the journey uh, north and or south. And I think for, for the progression of this game in this state that we need to be making sure that teams do. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know... Maybe teams don't know that there's assistance there. Maybe they're not asking for it. But, you know, you'd like to think that someone give them a call and go, you've got a game in Kalgoorlie or a game in Albany. And, you know, if you were to fill in this this form or make this request, um, there'd be something there for you. Yeah. And I think that would help. It's I think it's vitally important that teams from Perth go out to the regions. And I think it's also vitally important that those teams from the regions are able to come to Perth. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes just makes the cup game so much better. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. I'd love to see Albany against you know Perth SC. And oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, well, we've got Quinana against Perth SC. That's you know, it's not as far away as Albany. Well, it's still south of the river though, isn't it? Yeah, so that's all right. It's all it's the good. same for everyone. Yeah, yeah. Else, isn't it? And it's a minnow versus a giant. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. no, it's all good. Um, and second division. The second division. Yeah, going through the uh, second division results. Uh, from last week, we had uh, Kingsley Westside had a 2-1 win away to Canning City. Curtin University hosted Belga. Uh, Belga won that one 2-1 again. Uh, Joondalup City 6-0 over Kelmscott Ruse. Murdoch University Melville and Shamrock Rovers played out a 2-all draw. Wanneroo City 3-0 away win over Morley Windmills. And Dinella White Eagles, top of the table, had a 2-1 win over Gosnell City. Yeah, Bobby Despotoski's... Um White Eagles, and yeah, they're sweeping all before them. Looking to get them out of the uh, second division and back up to first. Yeah, look, it's uh, he's obviously amassed a very good side there, and, and they are doing the job. Um, but I think you know people like Wanneroo and Windmills are also teams that are capable of, of knocking them over. Yeah, um, Balga are always very ambitious, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, true. Then they they actually did get knocked out of the cup, but only one nil against Bayswater, so team two divisions above them. Yes, I know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think they've only lost one game um, this season, which was a bit of su- a surprise in itself because um, I think they were heavily... So are you talking uh, the Dianella or, or... Dianella, yeah. Uh, the, well, that, they lost, obviously, that cup match, but currently they're on three wins and a draw on top of the table of the second division Yeah, uh, with Kings, Kingsley Westside just behind them. 
Mm, interesting. Tom Scott Ruse at the foot of the table looked to be in a bit of trouble with a minus 18 goal difference. Up. Yeah, there's been a, been a lot of issues over there. Um, and I think, you know, coaches, players and everything, just getting getting the players to Kelm Scott is not as easy as people think it is. Um, and it's, yeah, it's sad to see because obviously any team that's in the state league, people are trying hard. There's lots of volunteers working in the background to make things happen. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's getting harder and harder in the state league. And uh, it's interesting, you look at the Division One, um, you've got teams in there that are, are desperate not to be relegated in Division <laughs> Two. No, yeah. it's, and yeah. that's the whole point of it. And this is where um, having no promotion relegation sets in mediocrity. Yeah. Um, teams have got to improve. Teams have got to try and be, be different and they've got to try and, and win these games. And it puts pressure on, on the whole organisation that they, they're working everything they can not to be in that bottom two. Yeah. Um, just as hard as the, the teams at the bottom two are working to get into the... Uh, the, the yeah, bottom league trying to get up. To up, but then at the bottom of the, that that league, at the bottom of the second division, um, for some clubs going into the state league one would be um, probably enough to crush the club and kill it. Yeah. So yeah. depends who drops out. I don't know what happened to Kelmscott when they dropped back into or down into. Well, um, from memory, wasn't it a case of uh, the amateur premier winner? had the choice of whether they wanted to step up or not. Yeah. Yeah, it's always been that's always yeah. been the case. And and some years it, it had they haven't had to or hadn't wanted to and it's it's been the saving of some clubs. Yeah. But you look at Queen's Park who were, you know, a, a stalwart in the in Division One who then got relegated and have not come back since. Yeah. Um yeah, it's you know, hard. Very, very hard. And you've got teams like Windmills who actually played in the top league um, some years ago, yeah, um, yeah, in Division Two now, and battling hard to get back out of there. There's there's no easy leagues in there, and and then, and that's what we like. That's what we want. That's what we yeah, want. Yeah. But then on the other side of it, you've got two amateur. They're, they're both amateur divisions this year, so <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, again, you've got the premier premier amateurs, and yeah. then two leagues of amateurs above them. So. To me, the, the, it doesn't sit well, and I think if we're going to go to professional leagues, then you know we should be looking at professionalising the leagues. And I know that people bulk at the signing up on professional players, but if you're paying a paying a player over 110, why wouldn't you? Because that's what the NNRR tells you you have to do. Yep. And then we've got two semi-professional leagues, and there's no such thing as a semi-professional contract you can only sign up a player on a professional contract yep. it's like being pregnant you know you either you are or you're not yep. um, and you can't be a little bit pregnant <laughs> so again the NRR is the governing document from the FA and it clearly states that if you're a professional player you can be paid over $110 yeah and as as we understand it, that's probably is the case. Yeah, and then you then you can contract players. They're on a professional contract. You can have that contract over two, three years. Um, you can then have payment schedules all within in that. And if someone comes along and says, "I want that player," a they can't do that by talking to the player direct. They've got to talk to the club because they own his contract. Yep. And then you you work out what the compensation payments are and do it professionally on a transfer basis. Yeah. Within the transfer windows, of course. <laughs> so there's lots of little things going on, but I think, you know, 
over the next two or three years and I'm sure Football West will get a, a handle on it and you know the State League 1 and State League 2 will become professional leagues yep. and the we'll get more professional players across all of the the leagues yep alright we're going to go to a break we'll be back after this with Steve Nilkowski West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au don't fence me in I'm Penny Tannerhoth. It's season 34 for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia, morphed from a sports program way back in 1987. The hosts and voices may have changed, but the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers, and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, the World Football Program. All right, and uh, while we're still trying to get uh, Steve Nelkowski on the phone, we'll just go over the Glory versus Melbourne game that's coming up on Sunday. Uh, I believe it's a tickets-restricted game, so I think you need to... Probably you're better off buying your tickets in advance and possibly something about 75% capacity and also... Yeah, it is 75%. 75% and also wearing a mask, so I'm not sure about, you know, cheering or anything like that or, you know, sipping your mask out the way to drink your drink. Well, singing through your mask if you're in your shed. Singing through your mask, yeah. Well... Uh, is the shed even open or is it a case that they've got to go down I the front? I have no yeah. idea. Okay, so. yeah. As we said, it's all up in the air a bit. But um, going, going into this game, uh, as we know, the glory in the last five games have had two draws and three losses and the victory have had one win, one draw and two loss, uh, three losses, although one of those losses was a 7-0. So 
you know that that bodes well for us. But um, if you if you're looking for a Mother's Day present, I, mean, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything better than to take your mum to the glory. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, you know, it's much overlooked. I know, um, although I, I don't yeah, we, don't ever buy my wife anything for um, nice Mother's Day. Yeah, I just let me know. Yeah. I will. Um, <laughs> I uh, always take it to the glory, so that's good. Well, I'll be there anyway, so mask on, mask off doesn't bother me. It's just the way of the world. Um, joining us on the line, you can hear him in the background, uh, still organising his club, as he always does, is Steve Nilkoski. Good morning, Steve. Hello. How are we, gents? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, there's, there's obviously you're, we've, you're we've a very busy man. Markets on. Yeah. We've got the markets going today. It's, a, uh, it's been a busy Mother's Day market. So there's about 42 storeholders here. Marvellous. Uh, and there's uh, some rugby tournaments around as well through the uh, Wanderoo Rugby Club. So it's been, yeah, it's been a beautiful morning. Yeah, and obviously after the last couple of weeks, um, that must be a, a breath of fresh air for you because, um, you know, it, it's very much part of your, your club's financial structures is those Saturday markets. Yeah, no, it's, it's been excellent, actually. So... Uh, our markets have been uh, have been very very popular now for a good part of twelve months. We've been running them for two years, and it was a slow start, like most things are. But uh, no, we've firmly got the uh, I guess the community involved, uh, and it's, yeah, it's wonderful to see. It's a great way to start uh, Saturdays here at the club. So uh, no, we're really happy with the way it's uh, it's trending, and more importantly, bringing you know, different sections of the community um, you know, to the club. Yeah, he must have a very understanding wife. I don't know if mine would be so keen on me turning up at six o'clock in the morning to start what was a football day um, <laughs> with a market before it. But that's all part of the passion of the club, isn't it? Oh, uh, it's fair about the markets, yeah. It ties so many parts of it together. So, um, yeah, we, we love turning up early and setting up and getting set for the day. And then you, you get your under-18s that come through and they're involved in a, a huge game against uh, Forest Field uh, today, top, top two teams. So, yeah. Uh, great contest there. So, so no, it's, we we really enjoy, um, yeah, what what's happened with the markets and yeah, yeah bringing uh, new people to the club and uh, which which has been great. So, and the the COVID restrictions, Steve, with with what you do, there's the the club is much more than just a football club. It's a community hub. There's lots of other activities that go on during the week. Um, how how much or how badly has has COVID affected some of those things that you do? Oh. Like, like every business, it, it, it shuts a lot of those operations down. So at times, yeah, the markets have been shut. Uh, bingo's been shut. And there's, yeah, three sessions of bingo during the week. Uh, yeah, the darts club can't come in and play. But, you know, we're no different to any other small business or large-scale business. So we understand that, uh, yeah, everyone's been affected and, um, that, yeah, we, we need to respect, you know, the government uh, rules and uh, the health and safety of people. So, yeah, look, it's... It's been the same for everyone. I think that's so important to keep in context. Everyone's been affected, you know, in some capacity, be it uh, yeah, larger or smaller. But uh, yeah, we're we're accepting. We under yeah, we're, uh, we just got to get through it with, with everyone else. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting though. I mean, the references to a business. Uh, a lot of clubs still run on the benevolent benefactor model. Um, you know, a lot of the, the, the newer regimes are, are, are seeing it very much as a business. And with the turnover you have, you can't view it as anything other than a business. No, well, it is a business, but also uh, I think the fabric of the Olympic like Sports Club has always been uh, people and families, uh, community. So that's, uh, you know, a legacy of the Tranos family who have, you know, I think donated more to this club than uh, any other clubs received, you know, you know through their generosity of, you know, vegetables and uh, you know, produce that, 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 that they've given. So yeah, we do run it as a you know, as a business, but 
uh, yeah, the forefront of whatever we do has to be community. So Absolutely. And, and a balance the, between that, but we don't uh, rely on one benefactor. Um, no. You know, I, I just, I, I'm not sure how other clubs you know, manage, manage to do it. You've always got to think long-term and yeah. make sure there's sustainability for the next generation to come through. Exactly. So, I mean, you're a terrific bloke, but your pockets aren't that deep, are they? <laughs> no, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but that... Uh, look, we we like like to share it yeah, yeah. across the board. Yeah, we've got a wonderful committee, and you know, most of our board have had yeah uh, long term connections. And with, and talking yeah, club and, then, and talking about and family and and the alignment of club and everything else, um, you you did have um, an alignment with the Redbacks. How's that going? Uh, well, at the moment, the, the Redbacks are back at Celebration Park, where the, where, where, where that, that which is our home ground. So they're, yeah. they're based there at the moment. Um, so they're not aligned with the club at the moment. Oh, okay. That's disappointing because I think, you know, it's a, we are a, a good fit for both clubs, but obviously if it's not, it's not. Yeah, Isn't look, we've, we've, our football teams have expanded. So in terms of you know, how many Sunday teams we've got now and our juniors have, have increased. So, um, you know, in, in terms of you know, finding spaces to train um, throughout the flight, good nights, it, it was getting tighter and tighter. So yeah. it one of one of the aspects of our... Yeah, uh, Football program is yeah you know, Sunday football and that's gone from two teams to five teams. Yeah, um, there's, there's been huge growth there. And likewise, you know, with juniors in, in, in the clusters at ages, you know, sixes and sevens, and then also uh, through up to the under 16s. So uh, we've seen some real growth there. Um, and, and while we've got yeah a, a pretty big complex across, uh, we've only got the three fields really, so yeah. managing all the teams and trying to find the right balance. And it's always a balancing act with with any club, but the the Sunday socials, the Saturday state league team, the the women's team, and some of the older um, age groups all want to play in the main pitch. So that that puts a, a terrific demand on on that piece of turf. But also managing that appropriately and managing some of the egos involved is not easy. Yeah, well, there's no, there's no egos, which is great. So we. Uh Look, yeah, we, we, we manage across all fields, so we've had some really good re- redevelopment on our fields two and three. Yeah. Um, and there'll be some additional work done on that side of the uh, complex starting at the end of this month, which will enhance those two fields as well for spectators um, watching those two fields. So, uh, yeah, we've got, I guess, a better balance now in terms of facilities across all three fields, uh, yeah. which makes it uh, certainly helps us uh, protecting you know, Soccer One um, to make sure we can have a... Yeah, the best possible surface for uh, the weekend. And the the stand, the last time I went there, I think you hadn't had the seats installed, but, I mean, it's a, it's a great addition to the to what was already one of the, the, the good clubs around the town. Yeah, no, they're beautiful. So we got we got green seating, which, uh, which complements... Oh, the really? Building, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 and the green machine uh, tagline we've had, yeah. you know, so, uh, no, it... it, it the, uh, the stadium's beautiful, so and as I said, uh, with, with additional works that they um, start uh, at the end of this month, which will connect um, the redevelopment to uh, the new change rooms. It's, it, it's going to uh, it's going to be stunning, actually. We're uh, extremely grateful for the uh, the works and the uh, support we get from the city of Wanneroo. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we we think we've got the best possible relationship with our uh, with our council. They're uh, incredibly supportive and uh, un- understanding, and uh, yeah, we had some issues with that. Bill this week where we needed some uh, some sections returfed and you know, they'll here yep. within a couple of days and assisting that so we yeah to have that support from your local council is just wonderful and uh, yeah we're very very grateful it's for all the vital work for the city of 
And the thing is, you, you've got people who go, oh, yeah, no, we don't have much of a relationship with the council. It's because you're not down there, you're not in the office, you're not talking to the, the key people in, in the town and, and making yourself part of the community, which is obviously what you do. Um, but, yeah, don't mind that your council doesn't look after you if you're not down there looking after them. No, no, look, it's a choice, yeah. Uh, you're sad when you hear other clubs, yeah, the relationships they've got with their councils. Um, yeah, but led by Mayor Tracy Robertson, and mm. all the executive team and staff, they uh, they do a wonderful job across the board. So, uh, yeah, Tracy was here last week with the uh, community market celebrating our second birthday and, you know, visiting all storeholders. Yep. Yeah, they make a great effort to um, come come through and support us, which is uh, which is excellent. Now, looking at today's game, obviously last season in the COVID year, you had a great season, um, good run at the end of the year and ended up winning the league. This year, it's not been so good. Um, yeah, had Gary Williams as the coach last year who, for personal reasons, stepped down. You, you recruited a good coach in Michael Janssen, but for whatever reasons, that didn't work out. Now you, you've you gone and got David Tuff, who last time I saw him in Divi 1, won Coach of the Year, mm. um, at that piece of grass you can see from your ground at Wanneroo. So um, another very, very good um, coach that you've, you've got at the club. Oh, you look great. It's... Uh, it's- been an interesting season from uh, from winning the double last year, uh, you know, not being able to get promoted, which we, you know, we knew the rules at the start. Yeah. We don't, we don't um, have any issues with that, so you know, it all went to um, a vote you know, from all clubs whether they wanted you know, relegation and promotion. And, you know, we're, we're quite open. We are, we're one of the clubs that thought that there shouldn't be any relegation or promotion you know, last year, so yeah. we certainly had no issue with uh, winning the league and not getting promoted, but uh, I guess what that did... You know, um, you know, opened the eyes of a few of the NPL clubs to some of our young stars. And yeah. uh, once Gary left at the start of this season for uh, you know, reasons which yeah, we, we certainly understood, uh, yeah, well, we uh, we got rated uh, pretty heavily by yeah, all the NPL teams. Yeah, but that, that's a that's a real flattering <coughs> statement that you got rated by the NPL. I mean, obviously, you you want to develop kids that can play at that level, and for people to come along and take them off you. As much as you don't want that to happen, it's great that you prepared them to be able to play at that level. So it is a—I know it hurts to lose them, but they have gone on. If they'd have gone and played for a team in Divi Two, you'd be going, "Nah, there's something wrong there." But you know, it is progression. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's and that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't get bitter. Get better. So get promoted, and yeah. uh, it won't yeah. happen. Um, it, it's pretty simple. So uh, yeah, we, we we had a you know, high turnover of players and. Uh, well, the start of the season just wasn't where we wanted to be. No. Uh, unfortunately, Michael, uh, we needed to make a change there, so uh, which was yeah. tough. Uh, given he got us to the uh, final of a night series competition, and yeah. we're only three games into a season. But uh, look, we, we, our football department addressed that uh, we needed to make a change on, on a couple of fronts, and uh, yeah, David, someone that. Which makes today's game very, very interesting. I mean, you're playing against Forest Field, um, obviously another club that was top to, tipped to be in the top four, who are currently sitting bottom, winless, with your former coach in Normo playing there, or coaching there. Um, it's, it's a real good... I mean, I, I've tipped the Fremantle game against Mandra being the match of the round. A, a number of my friends have said, no, 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 this is going to be the match of the round. Um, and I... I don't disagree with them. Oh, yeah, look, we've, we've, we've added uh, to our squad this week, so we've done a few changes yeah. uh, to the team that will start today. And, uh, yeah, uh, they've had the team now for two weeks and uh, we're disappointed to lose to Sterling last week and probably more disappointed with the performance. So we need to see an improvement on that. Um, and we're confident that each week we'll 
continue to get better. Um, and, and, and today's a really good challenge against Forestfield. So, um, yeah, any, any team coached by Graham Normanton is always very difficult to break down. Um, so, yeah, we'll have, have, have a, uh, a strong challenge today, but uh, we're also confident at home that uh, we should be able to collect our first uh, three points at uh, Kingsway Reserve. Yeah, it's a very, very tough league, this one. You, you don't get much of a time to, to have a snooze, and I think, you know, for, for both clubs... A win today is vital if you if you're expecting to be in the top half of the table by the end of it. Yeah, I look at this this early stage. It can go up and down pretty quickly. So we we don't uh, it doesn't sit well with us where we're on the table at the moment. Uh, but we understand that uh, yeah we've, we've got some work ahead of us and uh, that process has started and uh, we're looking forward to today's game uh, with, with Forestville. Absolutely. Um, now, you, you mentioned your juniors earlier. They're, they're obviously um, going from strength to strength. Your, your amateurs, you've drawn in a, a few sides. I think, well, I know my my young bloke plays for your amateur reserves, so um, I'm quite aware of, of how well they've got that. They were promoted last year, so um, things are on the up all round, really, aren't they? Oh, yeah, no, look, our Sunday football teams have been fantastic, so, yeah. The, the progression of our of our amateurs as well over the last two years, winning a couple of leagues has, has been brilliant. So, um, and, and within that group, we've got quite a few players that have been with the club for yeah over a decade. So we've got yeah a really really yeah. good bunch of uh, players in in, in 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 Sunday football. And then uh, yeah, with juniors, uh, we, we face a similar problem to you know what we had in the summer with our first team. That uh, we've got some really talented kids there, but we don't have that NPL uh, badge for our juniors. So. You know, keeping hold of our best juniors is, is really difficult because, unfortunately, uh, our parents want to take their kids to NPL clubs and you know, drive them around the trials in September. And, it's difficult uh, for anyone. Um, I was talking to someone who's down in Belia the other day and they were coaching an under-eight side and they've had under-eights from that side poached to go to an NPL club. Um, and yeah. you know, I don't personally. I don't like that. I think if you're going to, I don't know of clubs that run elite under eights. Uh, under eights is under eights. There's no grading in those divisions. The yeah. kids are out there just to play with a grin on their face. Um, and there's plenty of time to, for, to introduce an elite stream later. It's a skill acquisitions phase. Why? Why do that? No, look. I, I... I don't think you need, you know, need to be a rocket scientist yeah. to work out that uh, the MPL is not working full stop, and uh, I just don't know what's yeah, uh, holding up any, any any change from there. Look, at the end of that, the kid's good enough, he's good enough, whether he plays at Kings, whether he plays at Ellenbrook, Yanship, Spearwood, wherever he is. So yeah. he's going to be noticed, and he's going to get put through you know, state programs. Um, There's a yeah, number of great players who come through Kingsway who weren't in part of an MPL program. No, that's right. And let's, let's be fair, the Olympic Kingsway didn't develop Stan Lazarides. Stan Lazarides developed himself. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll argue with anyone that's you know, going to tell me that their junior program is going to create the next Stan Lazarides. Yeah. Um, but what, yeah, what, what we're doing is putting pressure on these families, these kids, to take the, you know, drive these kids around from trial to trial you know, one week after their season's finished. Just let the kids play. Yeah. Play, 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 play. Get them playing as many games as possible. You know, don't have any restrictions on them. Just let them play and they'll develop that way. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to see some change at junior level with, with yeah, this MPL status yeah. and uh, tweaking it back to where it was uh, prior to it. I don't think it's helping no. or developing our kids. I, um, I think the I MPL in, it introduced the brand. Well, yeah, it's all, and it's also damaged a fair few, few yeah. children as well. So, um, yeah, I'd love, love to see uh, some stats to, to show me otherwise in terms of you know, players that have been produced through it, but I, I'm not sure I'd... I'd that report's forthcoming. 
The, the thing is, though, it's, it's, bred, it's bred disloyalty because up until the NPL came in, a kid who started off in your under-7s or under-8s normally progressed through to your under, under-11s and 12s and went up through your club. And the the team, if the team was good enough, got graded into different divisions and, you know, they ended up wherever they ended up. Now we've got yeah. teams who are under eight, so are cherry-picking kids out of the, the clubs around, taking them away from their friends and putting them in a supposedly yep. elite program. I, I just, to me, it's nonsensical. No, no, correct, yeah. By, 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 the, by, the, by the age of 10, you've, you've changed clubs three times. Like, yeah. What? Mm. Oh, just, just let the kids play. <laughs> let them have some fun, and if they're good enough, they they will get noticed. And worse than um, that, Steve, come come fifteen or sixteen, the kid doesn't get picked for an NPL side and goes, "Oh, well, I'm not playing football anymore. I'm going to go and play video games." <laughs> yeah, but then the other thing is, yeah, you got these new rules as well around. You know, a kid can't play two years above his age group and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Stan Lazaridis played for Kingsway's first team at fifteen. Michael Garcia played at fifteen. Chris Coyne played at fifteen. Any player that's made it over and uh, overseas, he's playing yeah. the first team by the age of fifteen. Yeah, you know, it, it's Look, pretty we, easy to work out. Yeah, what what's what's required. Uh, but yeah. you think that you know, a thirteen-year-old can't play under fifteen? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, and, and we've had yeah, some not, not, some not talented fourteen-year-olds or uh, playing in under 18s and and they've not looked out of place. So it's about the individual, and I think the blanket rules. Um, clearing. You have to go through some hoops to get a kid at that age to play 18s, and they have to yep. be good enough and they have to be strong enough. But which that's, that's the point. Previously, so how, how did Stan play under 15s for Kingsway? Yeah, first team. Yeah, absolutely. How, how did, yeah, Richard Garcia, Michael Garcia, go go through them all. Yeah, like, they, they were assessed. Good enough. Good enough. They were assessed as being good enough you and know, strong enough. No, and I always yeah with anything in life yeah. Yeah, age is number, and it, yeah, um, it certainly shouldn't, um, you know, stop kids from playing up or you know, um, or, yeah. or anyone being involved at, you know, at sport at that level. But uh, that, that, that they're the rules at the moment. You need to play within it. I so. know, and it, and even in your your normal um, realm with the baseball, you've had to battle COVID. I mean, it's just you must be must be the world's leading expert in how to <laughs> run sporting clubs through COVID. Uh, well, I get, get, get some ways. <laughs> the rules are pretty black and white. So I know. With, with the baseball, with the baseball, we had a fair time to prepare for, and, and still, look, we, we faced enormous challenges throughout the season. But I just like to keep it in perspective, and um, we've got to yeah, remember that everyone, uh, in, in some capacity, has been affected by it. Um, so just work through it, and um, there's no point complaining about it. We just got to no. deal with it and move forward. Look, you're doing great things out there, Steve. Great to hear that your council is really supporting you and, and that you're supporting them and the community, as you always have. Um, be a terrific game out there. If anyone is a neutral and they're out in the northern suburbs, um, it would pay you to take a, a trip over to Kingsway and, and watch the Green Machine in action. No, we appreciate the support. Thank you very much, and uh, go, go Kingsway. Thanks, mate. <laughs> See ya. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Steve Nielkowski, um with the Kingsway Olympic Green Machine and yeah, doing great things out there. That stand is magnificent. Yeah, um, great setup, and obviously getting involved in the community is a is a is a way forward. You well, know? so that's, that's yeah. literally what the definition of a club really is, isn't it? You need to be part of your community. You're not an independent, yeah, standalone entity. Yeah, and I think it's, it's refreshing to hear someone call the club the business because yeah. you know we have had and still do have um, benevolent benefactors who are bankrolling and using the family's inheritance to, to run the club. Yep. But it needs to be a sustainable model and it needs to be um, a self, 
sustaining business, which is obviously what Steve's doing out there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And if that means a Sunday morning, uh, Saturday morning swap meter, so be it. Absolutely, but it's all reliant on the volunteers. So if you if you are in the catchment area for a club, um, you like football and you're not involved and would like to be, clubs will always have volunteers. It doesn't matter whether it's an hour or um, 40 hours or 50 hours as some of us idiots give. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it, it is um, it's a rewarding way of getting involved in a club and, and being part of it. And you don't have to be an expert in anything, yep. um, particularly in the earlier age groups. Running a line is not a big thing, but the, it's more simple stuff, putting up a net. Yeah. sitting on the gate for half an hour at the state league game or whatever. Yep. There's there's always something Take, clubs can have you do, yeah. um, even if it's just you know a sweep around the change room after the, the team's been through it. There's always something, just ask. Yeah. Um, if yeah. you ask your president or one of the, the committee members, they'll find you something to do, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, be involved. Was, it, was that be involved there, there was, yeah, that, yeah. And that's that's exactly what it what it comes down to. Absolutely. All right, well, we're coming to the end of the show. Um, we've got Lenny coming in with the, the Jay Show very shortly. Pete, thank you for being in here today. Uh, always good working with you. Not a problem. Um, Penny's back next week, and I'll be back in a fortnight. Thank you for listening to the World Football Programme. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.